2: plushcare.com slash weight loss
3: This
0: is TalkSport Daily Hello, hello, hello Happy Friday my friends Welcome to another Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily Podcast with me your host Andy Goldstein A reminder of course I'm back today at 4pm alongside the fun boy Jason Cundy. Anyway, we begin today's podcasty thing by talking about Jordan Henderson as the Liverpool captain is the latest big name be linked with a lucrative move to the Saudi Pro League. It's safe to say this one has divided the masses.
4: If he left, he's done everything at Liverpool. He's won um, the Premier League, Champions League, won um, multiple trophies there. He's got nothing else to prove. Liverpool might not be guaranteed to start every game. Already brought in um, two midfielders, looking for a third one. If I'm Jordan Henderson, I I don't see a problem with him going. I really don't. I don't think it makes any sense for Jordan Henderson at this moment in time. Obviously, the money is astronomical, but he's a wealthy man already. He earns nearly 200 grand a week. Is a million quid a month not enough to live off? There's a European Championship coming at the end of the season. If he goes to Saudi Arabia, he can't possibly be in Gareth Southgate's thoughts for that. And I think he'll play for Liverpool. Next season, he started a lot of games in the Premier League last season. The ordinary working class, Joe blogs on the street, goes to work every day, hopefully gets enough money to, to live. And then you get offered career development, you get more money and you move on. Totally get that, totally understand that. But you're talking about footballers that are on astronomical money. They're not ordinary people. They live in big gated houses. I would rather go to work... Get, get my wages and come home and have a family life. It's
3: one of those, it's difficult, and I sort of get both sides of, of the coin because, you know, four million to start with is an unbelievable uh, amount of money for most people. And I think, especially, a lot of, of football fans that are, are working class as well. Um, you know, same as me, probably come from a council estate and it's hard to fathom that sort of, of money. You know, you're speaking about hundreds of millions and, and generational wealth and the things you can do with that. And I know, you know, some players have come out and said, Look, this is what it'll do, not just for me and my family, but I want to build hospitals from where I'm yeah. from and schools and, and stuff like that. And and that is an unbelievable legacy to leave. Well,
0: I understand where he wants to go and he's been a great servant for the club and uh yeah, you can't really um, argue with him sort of turning down that sort of money do you think he could take Fabinho with him? <laughs> now Dele Alley has spoken to Gary Neville on the Overlap podcast the Everton midfielder gave a powerful interview in which he detailed some of the struggles he's been through in his life including addiction and suffering sexual abuse as a child here's how we covered the story on TalkSport At
2: six I was molested by my mum's friend who was at the house a lot. So my mum was an alcoholic. Seven, I started smoking. Eight, I started dealing drugs. An older person told me that they wouldn't stop a kid
4: on a bike. Eleven, I was hung off a bridge. By who? A guy from the next estate. And then 12, I was
1: adopted. I sat down as soon as I walked into the office today and watched the whole 43-minute interview. Uh, Ali revealing that he checked himself into rehab uh, for an addiction to sleeping tablets. He also revealed that he was molested. I, I must, I must admit, uh, you, you saw me, I was sitting down opposite you whilst I was watching it. It was a heart-wrenching experience watching that and listen, he was very brave to come out and talk about some of the issues that he discussed during that interview and it puts a little bit of context behind the downturn in form that everybody has noted over the last few years.
4: Yeah, it does and and as you say, I could see that you were visibly moved by what you were watching, some harrowing revelations from Delhi Alley. I think sometimes we're guilty in this industry, football fans are guilty of thinking that football is a in some way immortal, uh, but actually they are just like you and I and they're still prone to the you know, the same troubles of life that affect a lot of people. And I think, as you say, they're very brave from Delhi Ali to come out and speak. Uh, I think it's slightly sad and a sad reflection of our industry. The reason that he chose to speak now was because the newspapers have got hold of the fact he'd been in rehab and were hounding him, um, in his words. So, so maybe there's a, a few people who need to take a look at themselves over that. But I think also, you know, people who criticise Deli Alli over the last few years for the way that his career has on the face of it declined might be feeling a little bit guilty this morning because it just shows that you you never know what goes on behind closed doors. Steve Pope is a psychotherapist specialising in addiction, depression and anxiety and he joins us.
5: Ali is a human being. He's been to hell and back through his his, his young life. That's, that's clear. You know, he was an innocent that was led down all the wrong paths that was to go down. He, he's come and made a stand. And there'll be people suffering right now in sport and, you know, whether it's gambling, whether it's, you know, other, other, undetectable drugs the FA don't pick up in, in football, they'll listen to Delhi's story and you know he will save lives. He's, he's, he's very brave in what he's done. You know, as you said earlier, Tyson Fury's done similar. You know, he he's he's turned turned the corner. You know, we, we do not choose to be addicts. We do not choose to have this problem. We can choose how we deal with the problem, like you've said, and we can, if we want it enough, you know, we, we can find we can find a cure. Well not cure. We can find an answer to it, which means we have a life again and we can enjoy doing what we're good at in life again and delhi's turned that corner now but he's got to keep going
1: chris kirkland had a secret addiction to painkillers that previously made him consider taking his own life and he joins us on the line now well first and foremost i just want to say to delhi that what he's done is is going to help so many people um it couldn't have been easy for him obviously you know he's been through an horrendous time first and foremost he, he should be proud of what he's done um, and I'm sure it's going to help himself and it's going to help a lot of other people as well. Obviously, footballers now and in the past, we we are seen as role models, but we're also humans. You know, we all have problems. We all have, but for some, they're saying, well, he's a footballer, he shouldn't have problems. He's got all this money in the world. that They shouldn't do this. It's completely, completely wrong. I kept it away for 10 years. I wish I would have spoke up a lot, a lot sooner. It doesn't fix, necessarily fix the problem, but it certainly takes the weight off your shoulders, which I can only imagine. Uh, what delhi's been feeling the last few years and listen he went through a lot more than what i went through keeping all that in the pressure that he's had to keep in inside you know it's no wonder that he's he, he, he's broke down and, he, and he's asked for help because but i'm sure he wishes he would have done it a lot lot sooner and and i certainly do as well it's Great. when you're in the spotlight it's you, you it's the simple things you know you go out for, you can't go out for food people say well, of course you can go into a restaurant, but you know, you can't relax. I think the biggest thing is you, you can't be yourself when you're in the public eye. When you're out in the public and you're in the public eye, you can't relax. You never switch off. You know, when I, we didn't used to go places because my daughter and stuff was with us and didn't want anything to happen. Or it, it, people might say, well, that's just daft. It's not you don't relax when you're out in the public eye because you're always thinking especially now as well the PFA see the players occasionally the, the clubs are the ones that see these players day in, day out so if clubs can do more and set things up whether it's in, in-house in or out-of-house because some players won't want to do it in-house a lot more can be done and, and needs to be done
0: and following on from Deli Alley's harrowing interview with Gary Neville Jermaine Pennant joined me on Drive Time to discuss his own personal battles and how they affected his football journey
2: For me, I related to it um, and I could feel what he was feeling when he was saying you know, th- those things. And I was also very happy and glad that he was saying those things because holding all that down, keeping it all in, it causes massive, massive issues deep down. I was abandoned from my mother when I was three. Um, my father went to bring me, he had me on the weekends, he went to take me back. And my mother was never there and we could never get in touch with her. We couldn't get hold of her. And then my dad was 21 he, he raised me um, to best of his abilities. And then as I got, you know, around six and seven, maybe eight, he then kind of neglected me. Um, so I would be, take myself to school, make my own dinner. It would be, my dinner would be cornflakes. And got to a point where some of my friends started calling me the cornflake kid because that's all I'll be eating then my dad got into drugs I would see people coming in and out of the house um, right. then he was an addict so I had no mum no father multiple stepmothers um, I was surrounded by drugs I spent um, guns and crime and um, so it was it was it was really hard especially when also being diagnosed with adhD so as a child I was battling with that as well so it was a really tough time and and i never spoke about it and it caused so much trauma in my younger younger years that when i was to an adult it was just playing havoc but i never spoke about it i kept it all in and it led not making excuses by a a long shot but it, it it led to a lot of bad decisions on and off the pitch people are very very quick to judge people like leave when he was going through his back but don't understand why yeah. and now I'm sure all these people who have judged him are now thinking I feel a bit like an idiot because you don't just wake up and think right, I want to destroy my life You don't no, no professional player wants to do that I want to destroy everything what I've worked for what I've dreamed about I want to destroy it just in the click of the fingers there's something fundamentally going wrong in someone's head mentally or behind closed doors that no one knows about and without that help when what he's doing now, you just continue in this spiral.
0: Now Sam Matterface and Alex Crook were your mid-morning team on Thursday, yesterday, as some people call it, and they spoke to new Bournemouth manager, Andoni Irayola. The Spaniard replaced Gary O'Neill as the Cherries boss last month and joined the show to look ahead to his first season in charge in the Premier League.
2: Yes, it's going to be really tough, really difficult. The, the the first games that we have to go by game by game. I'm now focusing, at most we can go is West Ham at home and then Liverpool away. We From there, I don't want to look much farther. We know that it's a tougher start uh, in theory. Uh, uh, difficult games, but you never know where the points are. At the end, you cannot start, like I said, Uh, Giving all the games against the top teams, because you will need some points from there. Otherwise, it will be very difficult to achieve the the goals.
0: On now to yesterday's Breakfast Show with the wonderful Natalie Soy. She gave an impassioned reply to Rory Jennings after the transfer insiders co-host said that the Premier League needed more big clubs like Leeds over clubs like her beloved Brentford. Chelsea and Leeds, obviously a huge amount of antipathy. Yes. You could talk to a lot of Chelsea fans that will tell you Leeds are our most ferocious rival, and I think Leeds sing about Chelsea virtually every week. I want Leeds back in the Premier League. I really, really? do. I don't wish Leeds success, but I do want them back in the Premier League. Yeah? I think the Premier League is a far better, far richer, far happier place with Leeds United in it. Like We need big clubs, big prestigious clubs in the Premier League. And look, when... When, when Leeds United come to Stamford Bridge or when Chelsea fans go to Ellen Road, there's a real spring in your step. There's a real edge in the air. And that's football. Give me Leeds United away over Brentford away every day of the week.
3: That just stinks of elitism to me. And that's not what our football pyramid is about. Mm. We're not the MLS, which is a closed shop where there's no relegation. We are very much about aspiring to dream, to try and get to the promised land, if you like, of the Premier League, which is what Brentford has done, for example. I'm actually really jealous of Luton right now exactly. Luton's fans right now how they're feeling because I've been there I've done it and I know what it's like to wake up thinking on the day of your first Premier League game this is it we've, we've hit the big time and it doesn't sink in for ages so it's not an issue against Leeds I get it I'm sorry I'm not having that the the league needs the big clubs and the big prestigious clubs what's
4: next I know Luton shouldn't be in the Premier League Sheffield Wednesday get Sheffield Wednesday in you know they're they're a big club they should be in the Premier League no you earn the right Leeds weren't good enough they went down if they're good enough this season they'll get promoted to box it now and legendary British
0: boxer Prince Nassim Hamid spoke to Gareth A. Davis at yesterday's Usyk Dubois press conference he gave his frank and honest take on the current state of the heavyweight division
5: it's gonna be very, very hard for AJ. I remember seeing him before his last fight and saying to him, I looked him in his eyes, and I says, yo, this is a time where you're gonna to have to prove and show your heart. The whole world wants to see your heart. So you're gonna to need to really, you know, smash this guy around or, you know, show that you're in charge. That didn't happen, it didn't happen. What kind of level are we talking about, bro? Are we talking about right at the very top? He had his time. We've all got sell-by dates. Usyk's come along, he's done his thing. Tyson Fury's still there. Tyson Fury's still number one. I mean, these guys are undisputed champions, heavyweight champions of the world. Let's see them fight. I want to see them fight, man. I'm sick and tired of all this
3: boy.
0: Now, a landmark review of women's football in England has been conducted by Karen Carney, and has called for wholesale changes across the game. She spoke about her review with Talk Sports Shebana Hearn.
3: For me, to put the game where it needs to be and to move it forward, these minimum standards have got to be put in place. Like you said there, that we've had players come to us and say they're on £5,000 a year working three or four jobs, so... In essence, then the product isn't going to be great. A player is going to be tired, dehydrated, (laughs) undervalued. You can't have the best player when they're having to go through that. You know, facilities, players saying that they're using bin bags for curtains in the changing room. It's not good enough. And that's the Insta versus reality. There's certain parts of the pipeline that are thriving. There's parts that aren't. And you're all part of the same ecosystem. So those minimum standards have got to come up because we want it to be competitive. We want it to be compelling. Those changes need to happen. Of course, there's going to be pushback and people saying, well, how are you going to pay for this? But I do really believe that if we improve those minimum standards, the products will massively improve. The competitiveness will will massively improve.
0: Now, rounding up another action-packed day at Wilburton, of course, these Talks Paul's Lisa O'Sullivan.
3: Marketa Vondrusova says she was crazy nervous before taking on crowd favourite Alina Svitolina in the first of the day's semi-finals. Before this year's Wimbledon, the 24-year-old had only ever won four matches on grass. It was number 10 today and in straight sets because she was just better than the Ukrainian mum who's beaten the odds to even get to the last four. Vondrusova, the first unseeded player into the ladies' final since Billie Jean King in 1963, where she'll meet Ons Jabeur, last year's runner-up the Tunisians' defensive skill and refusal to quit, taking her past the Australian Open champion Aryna Sabalenka. Their semi-final will go down on the list of championship greats, Sabalenka hunting down the world number one ranking. That will have to wait, as will her first Wimbledon final. And for a while, the Belarusian looked to have had the momentum to go all the way, taking the first set in the breaker, going quickly a break-up in the second. Afterwards, Jabur said her old self might have lost. But, inspired by the centre-court support, she dug in to level and win the third, Third, 6-3. Ons Jaber, the first woman to play successive Wimbledon finals since Serena Williams in 2016. Yeah, crazy match. I'm uh, I'm glad that I stayed in the match and uh, was playing better and better after. So hopefully now one more match to, to go. Uh, this year, the draw is much tougher. Playing against uh, amazing players that not only they play good on uh, any surface, but they play amazing on grass. Uh, that was very challenging, but also maybe it's a good thing that gives me more confidence to uh, to be ready for the final, and also uh, getting that rhythm of playing, you know, um, great tennis to be ready for uh, for the next match.
0: Well, that's it, gang. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcast from. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy talks TalkSport daily podcasts out first thing in the morning. Do what you've got to do to get it. I'm back with Funboy, Jason Cundy today at 4pm, so make sure you join me for that. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Have a good day, and above all, be safe, everyone, be safe. That
5: was a podcast from TalkSport.